What's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a West Side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of Gift Vader and Blacklight Productions. Shout out to them. They're the ones to do the, the Stripe video that I played before my show. So if you guys have not found that, go to Blacklight Productions on YouTube. You can download the uh, song. Same thing on with Gift Vader. Find them on YouTube. You can download the show or the song. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, my show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,371 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. And as always, if you're watching on Facebook or if you're watching on Twitter, do me a favor. Go to YouTube channel, Sports of Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription bell. Hit the bell for notification. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also exclusively in the uh, YouTube chat, 
We're doing super chats. So if you like to support what I'm doing, give me a super chat. I greatly appreciate it. Now I'm coming to you live from the ice cave. And the ice cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, everybody. It is Squealers Week. It is time to put the Bears game behind us. Yes, we will discuss it probably a little bit, but need to move on to the Squealers and how the Bengals need to get this win. And today's guest is, again, one of my favorite guys. Come on here. He's from Cincinnati, Cincinnati Jungle. He's from the Orange and Black Insider Podcast. He's very knowledgeable. Crypt Keeper calls him John the Brain Sheeran. Here he is. John, what's going on, brother? Hey, Jeff. It's been a while since I've been on here, but it's good to be back. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Welcome back to the show. I, I try to try to keep everybody, uh, everybody, you know, I'll give you a little bit of a break, and then I'll try to get you back on because I, I like having, you know, multiple people on here so people can listen to somebody else's voice instead of mine <laughs> you know so let's get into the squealer squealers week what's your thoughts heading into the week what do the Bengals have to do where, where are they at right now i look at this in terms of a preview of it it's very similar to i think how they should approach where they should have approached the bears last week just from offense to defense, you have a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who doesn't really throw the ball down the field, much like Andy Dalton for the Bears. But despite that, you still have weapons for that Steelers offense that are very capable, and an offense line is very questionable. So offensively, I think the Bengals are preparing for a very similar um, attack to, for for their defense. And defensively, it, like the one thing that can break this open for the for the opposition is the pass rush. Like just like the Bears, yes. who had three quality pass rushers, Steelers have three very high quality pass rushers. Um, unfortunately for them, one of them may not play in TJ Watt. Um, mm-hmm. But even if he doesn't, they still have Cam Hayward. They still have a newly signed Melvin Ingram, and I think Alex Smith is also questionable with a groin injury. So it, it's literally it, it's not like a carbon copy, but it's a road game up against a defense with a great pass rush that can completely limit what the Bengals can do. Like that that was quite literally the, the analysis leading up to the Bears game. The Bears have a great chance of winning if that pass rush can disrupt the Bengals offense. And that's exactly what happened. All right. So Bengals still can be competitive and potentially winning against the Steelers, but not if the offense line has a similar performance against this pass rush. Yeah, exactly. And here's the uh, list of injuries. Now the only one that definitely won't play is uh Tyson. He's on IR. He's getting uh surgery, I guess, on his uh on his ankle. But yeah, Ro- Rossberger li- listed, uh, Highsmith, Watts, Hayden, Bush, Johnson. They're all listed. I honestly, I'd be shocked if they don't all play. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't. Right. I mean, it's it's Tuesday. I would think that that there's a pretty good sign that they would come. But you talk about the Bengals' pass rush, and this is another one I got from uh, Lou Lennon from the uh, 49ers Gold Mine, I think is what it's called. But you see Trey Hedrickson and NFL uh, pressure leaders is at 22.6. He's fifth. In the NFL right now, so the Bengals' defense is getting pressure. So that that's and that bodes well, I think, going against the Squealers because let's be honest, their offensive line is garbage. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't think it's very good at all. Um, now I say that, and I watch they'll probably play the game of their life against us because it seems like they always step up against us. But I think that that is going to be a, a big thing, just like this past week, because the. The Bears' offense really didn't do anything. And, I mean, I, I know everybody's upset about the Bengals and the way our offense played. But, John, let's be honest. If we don't turn the ball over four times, we most likely win the game, no matter what our offense, how our offense was. 
I was just thinking about this last night. Like, this is why the Justin Fields variable of that game is why the NFL is undefeated as a product because Bengals fans were terrified at the idea of, of playing Justin Fields. They thought that he was already a better quarterback than Andy Dalton, even though he's not never started a game in his life before. So when Justin Fields came into the game, there was a collective like, oh, crap, this is the turning point. The Bears have a better quarterback in. They're going to move the ball clearly. Justin Fields' inadequacy at quarterback kept the Bengals in that game because they couldn't do anything offensively and they turned the ball over four times. But ironically, Justin Fields' two Herculean moments kept the Bears alive and eventually won the game. The fact that he recovered his own strip sack and negated the Logan Wilson recovery. And then he evaded Trey Hendrickson's sack at the end of the game and basically ran out the clock like that. Yeah, that, that the, the, the irony is 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 just very tasteful. It's just very just it's just crazy, you know. Because Justin Fields did next to nothing as a passer. He had, unfortunately yeah. for him, he had two clear drops from his receivers that would have opened the game a lot more for the Bears' offense. But other than that, he didn't really look that impressive. And credit to the Bengals' defense for taking advantage of a great opportunity against a very not so good offensive line. And credit to Trey Hendrickson too, like. You know, we, we may not know quite yet if he is as legit as, as the numbers say because the Vikings and the Bears don't really have the best tackles, but Steelers don't have good tackles either, and I'm right. pretty sure the Jaguars don't really either. So this is the month for Trey Hendrickson to really eat. Mm-hmm, exactly. I uh, just to give a shout-out to Michael Hendricks, Hauser, sorry, for the $5 super sticker. I appreciate that. And uh, let's get to Keith here. This is He said, for once, we could say that our defense might just be – just keep us in the game. The offense, or let me try that again. For once, we can say our defense might just keep us in this game. The offense, maybe. They will make some big plays. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a bounce back from the offense. I really do. I Because say what you want. You take for what you want about what Joe Burrow and, and T. Higgins said. You know, we got to take deep, deep shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pe- people took that as it was a shot at, at Zach Taylor. I took it as more of just a frustration as they got to take deep shots. And Zach said they tried to, and some of the plays weren't there. I, I think they're going to come out and, and, and really improve upon what they're doing because upon last week, I just don't see the offense doing what they did against the bears and had this doing the same game plan or same results against the, the squealers. That's a roundabout way of saying, I think they're going to get better. <laughs> I mean, they have tape to basically go off of and say, okay, here's what worked and here's what didn't work against the defense that is very stout. And, you know, I, I'm guilty of this too. I saw the Rams game in week one and thinking Spares defense doesn't look like it usually does. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of um, – We took it for granted. Yeah. Yeah, for, absolutely. Like the Rams, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're now they have a great quarterback in Stafford and they can do whatever they want basically offensively. So I think we kind of ran with that week one performance from the Bears and didn't really take them as seriously. But I think there, there is no mistake here. Like the Steelers have a really good defense. They mm-hmm. still do. And it's yeah. a defense that can cause problems. You, you just talked about pass rush win rate. Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, Melvin Ingram III all have – Age uh, pass rush win weight win rate on to pass sets of over twenty three percent, and that like that's basically once every four true dropbacks for the Bengals. And going back to what Zach Taylor said about you know there were there were opportunities there that but the coverage just kind of took it away. The tape kind of backs that up. Like there were there yeah, were times you tweeted that, that, that out, you, towards, you tweet that out earlier today. 
Yeah, towards like the early parts of the second half, they tried to mix things up with some more play action and more just straight dropbacks from under center. And the Bears' secondary, their coverage, it basically took them away. And Burrow almost either had to check it down or he unfortunately took a sack because nothing really opened up. Like that's, I, I think we, we just look at the lack of actual deep ball attempts and thinking, okay, the Bengals didn't really look downfield that deeply. And partially it's true because a lot of times it was just a lot of quick passing games out of empty and not really looking beyond the sticks and whatnot. So I think it was just a case of it was a little bit too little too late. There mm-hmm. was some adjustments that were there, but obviously they weren't effective. But we kind of look at that and say, okay, there were no adjustments and it was just basically just terrible play calling. Right, right. That, that, that's the first knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction. And the, the fact of the matter is the Bengals only had, I think, like three possessions in the first first half, if I'm right on that. And then you have four, at least three consecutive turnovers, possibly four. I don't remember if there was one in between the T. Higgins uh, fumble on the Joe Burrow uh, interceptions, but you do that, it, it, it's it doesn't matter really what your offense is doing if you're turning the ball over. I mean, it, it, it doesn't. I mean, one of Joe Burrow's interceptions, interceptions directly went to a pick six, and Joe Burrow has got to do a better job of looking the coverage out because both of those uh, plays, he stared down his his receiver the whole time. You cannot do that in the NFL, especially the linebacker one. He he drove the linebacker right to where he's throwing it. He never looked him off to, to get to, to open up the space for uh to uh, to get the pass to Boyd. So that's one thing that Burrow, uh, which I, I'm surprised at because he – I don't remember him doing that last year, you know, staring down his receivers. I, I thought he did a better job of that last year. Absolutely. Like he, I mean, he only threw five interceptions last year, so there wasn't just a lot of examples of that. He credited to him just trying to force something. I think he was talking about the T. Higgins interception, which was probably even more blatant than missing Roquan Smith over the middle. But honestly, I don't really buy that as much of an excuse because he was staring him down the entire time and he was never open once. But mm-hmm. it was just another play where there wasn't a lot of options based off of what pass protection they, that they were in and what the other route combinations were on the other side of the field. I think it was literally him forcing something that was not there. Right. But it's, it's not like there was ever a chance of it opening up, and you can't really justify this, the decision. But they did actually – they did have four consecutive turnovers. There wasn't a, a punt or a field goal that were in between. And the first one was probably the most unfortunate one because it was a play out of empty, and the Bengals completed it to, to T. Higgins, and he Maybe. takes two steps and gets fumbled. Like, that's that's Eddie Jackson. You know, he's a really good player. He's a, he's a playmaker for the Bears' defense. That's something that, that unfortunately has to be expected as a possibility. Like, the Bears, they have playmakers. They have guys that can turn the ball over, and that kind of snowballed into – three consecutive turnovers after that. So right. uh, and, exactly. and credit and credit to them, like the, the other two turnovers, the the interception to T. Higgins and the interception on the on the batted ball when Joe Mixon uh with yeah. and pass protection. Like those were different formations and personnel groupings that the Bengals were trying out. It wasn't just having five men in, in pass protection there and having a quick throw. They were trying something something new, but it, it was just a very crazy series of events that you don't really see often. And I guess when it rains it pours. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to uh, Dustin Croft here for the uh, four ninety nine super chat. Appreciate you. He says, uh, "I understand fans are saying miscommunication up front for sacks, and some of that is true, but I think guys are just getting whipped one on ones." There's there's some truth to that. They are. I mean, yeah, there are some some parts where, where they are just getting whipped, but but a lot of them is missed assignments and missed uh, blitz pickups. In, in my opinion, John, what do you, what do you got? 
Last year, there was a clear theme with the offensive line. They could not pick up a stunt to save their lives. They're just twists where the, the defensive end, the defensive tackle, they're kind of looping around. They're kind of intersecting in each other's paths. And the goal of that is to cause confusion among like two um, adjacent offensive linemen because if they can't pass it off clearly, there's just a clear rusher in there. And the Bears did that a ton. And I I thought to myself, you know, over the offseason that with a new offensive line coach and Frank Pollock, who is an actual coach this time around, there would be a better understanding and a better preparation to pick up those stunts and handle them. And unfortunately, it looked a lot of the same as last year. And this was with Jonah Williams and Quinn Spain. You know, Williams is one of their best offensive linemen, and Spain has played a lot of snaps and a lot of quality snaps in his career. You don't expect those two to mess up in those opportunities that much. But that was, I think, the cause of a lot of these um, sacks and pressures. And I know a lot of Bengals fans were having – the, the reborn discussion of Sewell versus Chase and saying that the tackle is not a need anymore. Unfortunately, Jonah Williams and Riley Reef were probably the two worst offensive linemen in this game. So it wasn't the best week to really bring that right, up. But right, right, like, right. again, like that, that's the Bears defense. That that can be expected as a possibility. They're, they're, they're a legit they're front good. four. I mean, they're, their front yeah, they're four good. is one of the best in football. So, I mean, it is what it is, man. Sometimes you get beat. Um, now, my question, actually, this is this here. Yo, was Yo, it's Joe. And I was kind of, Wondering this myself with uh, Serphilia possibly being injured this week, do you think uh, Carmen uh, could get a, a spot today? Could, could or this week could start? Yeah, if he's injured, I think Carmen will play, but we don't really know the extent of Serphilia's injury. But they've, they've had a couple of these things where, like, they, we don't see them like limp off the field or anything. The only one was, I think, T. Higgins, where he kind of injured his arm on like a wide receiver screen. But there's been a couple of these kind of mysterious injuries that kind of just pop up after the game. Like Ricardo Allen, no one saw him uh, break his hand or strain his hamstring after week one, but that put him on IR for three weeks. So, yeah, mm-hmm. if Suofilo, I, I, I think, does not practice that much or he's just limited, I think Carmen gets to start here. But we just have to wait and see on that. Exactly. Um, Let's see here. Roy, let's go to his. You know they will attack the middle of the line. I would put an extra offensive lineman to protect Burrow. Is that an option, or what? What do you? Th- I mean, that's normal. What they bring the tight end for for that, right? Right. Like they'll motion a tight end or a receiver. They they, they did that sometimes, at least in the past couple of years. I remember they motioning on Tate towards the the end of the formation. They kind of had him uh, conjoined with a tight end to bring in for extra pass protection. They started doing more six man protection sets t- towards the fourth quarter. Basically, mm-hmm. like hey, we're done with this. Like right. let, let's just try to get let's try to get Burrow like one extra second. And then they started kind of having success. Like mm-hmm. their three biggest plays of the game came into the fourth quarter. Two of them were Tyler to Tyler Boyd, and one of them was to Jamar Chase. Where it was still you had um, five guys running out for routes, but it, at least in the pre snap phase, it didn't look like it was pure empty. You had CJ Ozoma. And I think Joe Mixon in there to initially chip and then release into their route. So I, I think against the Steelers, they're not going to have as many true empty sets. They could disguise them more, or in, at least in the pre-snap phase, they have a guy in the backfield or they have a tight end kind of conjoined along the line of scrimmage. So I don't think there's going to be as many true obvious um, empty sets that you see in pre-snap that end up being empty, empty sets in the post-snap phase. Uh, uh, Mac here has a question. Is uh, Wayne's going to practice this week? Uh, I, I don't know. I heard he's getting closer. I don't know if he's going to practice this week or not. Have you heard anything about that, John? So Zim Hude um, saw on Mike Daniels's Instagram story, I believe, that uh, Waynes was training with uh, Daniels, his trainer, and Daniels was kind of recording and watching the whole thing. He looks pretty good. Um, it's hard to judge how good a guy looks coming off of a hamstring injury, but I, I think there was a report last week, late last week, that Waynes was at least kind of hanging around like – 
the the DBs at practice and he wasn't on the training field. So that was an indication that he is one step closer to returning. So I I think he'll be at least limited to start this week. And it's just a matter of if he can get a full practice under his belt. Right, right. Let's go to uh, Orange Arrow here. And actually, I want to bring up his bring up his shirt, his charity shirt he's gotten. I've been mm-hmm. meaning to bring this up all week, and I keep forgetting to do it. But let me get this question here first. He said, why can it be so difficult to pass off stunts like that? Can John, the man, explain this? It can be difficult if the defense and, and the, the stunters, if you will, kind of delay it a little bit. So they kind of start their rushes like they're just entering – their designated gaps, at least in the pre-snap, and then then they kind of you know bounce off and kind of loop around, and that can basically make it too late for the offensive line to kind of adjust to that because if they're committed to getting to their spots and their normal pass sets, then that delay can mess up where they need to go and mess up the communication. It's very hard if you time these stunts right. Like if you just make it very obvious right off of the snap, it gives the offensive lineman time to react and kind of communicate. But a lot of times you'll see, you know, guards kind of just throw these guys towards the tackles and not really pass them off in a, in a calm and collective manner. Right. And then sometimes you'll have guys, unfortunately, follow the loopers or follow the, follow the guys who stunt and the loopers can kind of go around and there's a clear gap to there. So if you time it perfectly, it's very hard for offensive linemen to stop. But also if you just have a quick passing game, which the Bengals tried to do and get the ball early, the stunts and, and the loops can be negated, even if the offensive line doesn't pick it up well. But unfortunately, if, if your secondary you know, sits on these routes and not a lot of separation, then they become a lot more effective. Exactly. I want to put a pin in that. I, I got to put this up here because I, I keep forgetting to do this all week. But uh, Orange Arrow is uh, have a shirt that you guys can go ahead and purchase. And I'll put the uh, the link here in the chat. And uh, let's see, it should be posted. Yeah, there it is. So there's a link in the chat to, to uh, it's called Put the Kens in Canton. Uh, you can get the shirt in orange or black. Um, all the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger. Actually, they go, I take it back. They go to his, the Orange Arrow Fantasy League uh, war chest or whatever. And that those all that's going to go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Foundation. So if you guys are interested in Put the Kens in Canton shirt, which I made, made one, I wore it the first. Home game, I'm going to be wearing this one on Thursday night long as it fits me. Because <laughs> uh, Arrow's like, have you got your shirt yet? I said, not yet. He goes, well, the, the sizes might be a little off. I said, well, you know, it's a good thing I'm, I'm a little guy here. So <laughs> we'll see We'll see if the shirt – it might be a fat guy in a little shirt. We'll see <laughs> We'll see what happens with the shirt. But I want to get back to the uh, offensive line um, uh, plays here. Um, now, I've said this, and I like asking uh, – Experts, you know, you know more about football. You're covered the team. You're closer to, to to the team than I am. My thought is that I thought possibly by the bye week that there is a good chance that at least one, maybe both. Now, if Jackson Carmer starts this week, it's it could be sooner. But I think by the bye week or sometime after that, I'll put it that way that Jackson Carmen and Deontay Smith both could be our starting guards. Uh, do you do you think I'm crazy with that? Or I mean, because I think if they can do it. They're more athletic. They're faster. It, it could be the the maulers that we need on the inside. And, and I, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's going to take more bad play from Quinn Spain for them to both be in there. I think Suofilo is playing his way out of the starting lineup a little bit more than Spain at this point. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's the ideal scenario for them to have two rookie guards in there next to Hopkins who's still trying to get his feet back under him. I think ideally they they, they see how Carmen does when, when whenever that time is and maybe 
that is this week. But like, honestly, like if both those guys get injured or if one of those guys get injured, then you put back the struggling veteran in there. I think they want to have as much experience on the offensive line as possible. But if things start right. trending the wrong way, then I think th- those guys are on the team and at those positions for a reason. Now, another thing about, about the uh, pass blocking that we have to, to talk about is like Marvin here says he, he misses Geo. I, I think we're missing Geo big time for the, the blitz pickups. I mean, that has been in the two games. Uh, it's only two games, but it's been a consistent problem uh, with the either Piron or or Mixon or the tight end. You know, somebody's in there missing the blitz pickups or not not able to. Um, is Chris Evans? Is he any good at that? Or what? Do we have any other options? Or we just kind of they just got to get better. <laughs> No, I think Chris Evans, that, that is where his potential opportunity can come from. He was really good and adequate in that area at, at Michigan and at the Senior Bowl and then in preseason. Like we have tape on him, you know, being a solid pass protector in, in the backfield over the preseason. So, I mean, we talked about Evans, his ability as a runner and as a, as a receiver, but right now they need him to fill that geo role that he was, that he was so good at for the past couple of years when he was on the team. Joe Mixon and, P- and P. Ryan just aren't cutting them. I think they were counting on at least the jump from Mixon and P. Ryan. To, he's always been like a, a stable pass protector. He just never really had that many opportunities because Gio was here, but they really were counting on Joe to be better in that regard. And so far he just hasn't been. Yeah, exactly. Now, one thing we always we were talking about with the defense here, and one thing that we, us Bengals fans, were hoping would happen this year, and this is from our drafts of last year, is that Logan Wilson would make the jump. And according to PFF, it looks like he is. I mean, PFF has, has been graded at seven point seven seventy nine point six, which is fifth. Coverage grade is 83.2, which is third. Passer rush allowed 50.0, which is third. Yards per catch, 6.3. And then missed tackles. This one, I think, is great. Zero. So I, that, I think that bodes well for our linebacking court. I, I, I think because I have my buddy over watch the game with me Sunday and he's like his man I don't know about Logan Wilson I'm like I think he's going to have a breakout year and the funny thing is he's the one that just that sent me that link or that picture there of what PFF grades are so I, I think Logan Wilson is actually having a pretty I think a pretty it's quiet nobody's talking about him but I think he's having a pretty good year again two games but it's a good start to the year for him yeah, so the biggest difference between this year and last year is that he's he's taking Josh Bynes' role, but he's on the field for all three downs. He was mainly on the field for just coverage snaps last year along with the Keen Davis Gaither. Now he's playing all three downs, and he looks a lot better as a run defender. He's just a lot more patient and just getting into his fits and filling gaps. And like you said, no missed tackles. That obviously helps. Like he, I still think back to like almost exactly a year ago when the Bengals played the Browns for the first time, and Wilson was just – absolutely dreadful <laughs> filling those gaps. And then Kareem Hunt was just running all over the defense in general, but right. you have better defensive tackle and play in front of the linebackers. So that makes the linebackers jobs easier. I still think there are a few instances where Wilson is a little bit too slow to process and coverage in space, but I, I think that's still coming along as a player, but that interception he had against fields, that was fantastic. He was showing blitz then he dropped back right at the perfect time. He was reading fields, eyes the entire time. And, Fields made an interception that was exactly what Burrow did like a quarter earlier. He just missed missed him completely. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and he got his he got his revenge. He got the ball in his hand and he ran with it pretty close to a touchdown, but it was a fantastic play. And that's I think where that coverage grade comes from. Exactly. So uh Arrow here has another comment here said, Did I hear that right? That Carmen is looking slow. I I don't know. Uh, Have you heard anything about that? Like Jackson Carmen looking slow? Um 
maybe like in June or May. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about yeah, I, that recently. I've, I've heard nothing but good things here here recently. Not that he's he's not jumping off the page yet, but I, but from everything I've read, he's getting better. And they, I, I don't, I I, I kind of think starting him this week would be kind of bad going against the Squealers. But if Sirfuy's hurt, you're gonna have to. I mean, the week after that, we got what Jacksonville and we got uh, Detroit. I think back to back. Those are the weeks that you, I think that would be a perfect time to start Jackson Carmen. Those two or Deontay Smith. But those that, to me, those are the weeks that you would probably want to start him more. Uh, more against Jacksonville and Denver or Detroit, and not against the uh, Squealers. I think. I mean, I, I had reservations about how he would look last month against Washington, who have great defensive tackles, and I think he played pretty well there. Um, you, you know, there's something to be said about how much defensive coordinators are, are doing in the preseason in general. But I think Harmon's one of his biggest strengths in Clemson, and this was at left tackle, but he was a great processor and he was able to identify where rushers were going and he could pick up stunts really well. And that bodes well for a guy moving inside the guard. If Sulafilo is just not cutting it and he definitely wasn't cutting it against the Bears, like there's no point and just keeping him out there for veterans' sake. Like, you might as well allow Carmen to make these mistakes. If he's going to play at the same level as Suofilo, at least he has more upside to, to play better because he's a better athlete, and I think he has the capability of, of picking up some of these stunts a little bit better. Everybody's coming up with their, their own nicknames here. We got Larry Obi-Wan Gunjobi. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. There we go. I think, I'm a Star Wars fan, too. I should have known that one. We got, <laughs> we got Jackpot Jackson. We got Action Jackson. Everybody's coming up with their own nicknames. It's, it's awesome. All right, but uh, Marvin here has a question. Any thoughts on the Bengals' offense of offensive approach this week? It's like I understand why they want to get the ball out quickly, and that's what empty is made for. Like it's ba- right. it's not an extension of the running game, but it's basically these, these two second passes where they go for maybe five or six yards of, of air travel, and ideally you complete like seventy percent of them. And it gives it gives you space and breathing room, so you're not in these second and third and long situations. But if the Steelers are creeping up again, like I think they have to run the ball better, not necessarily more, but they have to run the ball better. And I think if they did that against the Bears, then we wouldn't have had as many complaints about their unsuccessfulness in in the quick passing game. They were running the ball pretty well against Minnesota. Not a lot of yeah. negative plays, but not a lot of plays that only went for like one or two yards. They were consistently gaining yardage against the Vikings front four. And overall, the game plan against the Vikings was very similar to the Bears, but we didn't complain about it against the Vikings because they scored more. And yeah, and like they, they were just more effective in well, the other faces of their offense. I mean, I think Joe Mixon had had over 50 yards at, at halftime. I mean, and the thing mm-hmm. is, I, I keep saying this, but and I'm, it's, it's, I don't know, to me, Eric keeps talking about the offense and all this stuff. You don't turn the damn ball over. <laughs> I mean, four times, you're not, you're most likely not going to win the game. I mean, that's, to me, that's the more more important thing to happen than the play calling or anything else. You know, if we don't turn the ball over with just one time, one less time, we probably win this game. So, and, and like like you said, the, the game plan was the same against the Bears as it was against the Vikings because they are very similar teams. You know, they wanted to run the ball and play defense. They're, you know, that's what the Bengals did, and it worked against the Vikings. And if you don't turn the ball over. It might have worked against the Bears, but we'll see. But, I mean, we don't know that, obviously. And I think they're going to have a similar uh, offensive scheme, I think, against the Squealers this week because it's the same thing. They don't have a deep shot. They're, you know, they're going to run the ball and play defense. Anyway, all right, Brandon uh, Batchelor. The Bengals' D is ranked sixth best in the NFL through two games. Do you guys feel confident that 
that's right around what they are doing, or do you think it's fool's gold? Your thoughts, John? So I think um, Jadobi Wizier is playing really well, regardless of the competition. I think their linebackers look improved outside of a few mishaps from Jermaine Pratt. The defense line is eating right now, and that's like the main source of their success. And right now they haven't really faced a good offensive line yet. And they aren't going to for, I guess, a little bit. They've kind of caught a little bit lucky here facing a lot of sub right. offense lines. But it's also kind of the nature of the NFL right now. Maybe There, you have yeah, there isn't that great offensive line. That, yeah. That's across the board. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, it's just a matter of how how much can you get your quarterback hit. Like every quarterback is going to get hit a certain amount of times a game. It's just like how much and how much do those pile on. But, yeah, it's, as long as the defensive line can keep eating these matchups, like they're going to be fine. They're going to at least give their offense a chance to score more than their opposition because right now their pass rush is really eating and they have, they're getting solid quarterback play outside of just a few mishaps here and there from Eli Apple. But as soon as Trey Wayne's comes back, I think you can count on that to be an upgrade. You know, the safeties are playing fine. Trey Hendrickson is, is winning like a fourth of his pass rushes. And even DJ Reader is, is improving as a pass rusher. So oh, yeah. I, I think six might be a little bit too high based off what the actual talent is, but I think that fits about what we've seen as far as production wise. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very happy and su- pleasantly surprised with how much push DJ Reader and Larry Ogunjobi are getting up the middle. I mean, I, I knew they were going to be there for the run stops, but getting the pressure on the quarterback is, is a little surprising to me, which I think helps his defense out a lot because of the loss of Joseph Osai and what we thought we were going to get from him coming around the outside. We're getting more pressure up the middle, so I, I think that that is – one surprise that I'm I'm very happy with the way those guys are, are getting up the middle and getting after the quarterbacks. All right, yo, it's Joe says people are blaming Trey for missing the tackle on fields, but the offense should have never put the defense in that position where one's missed tackle loses where one missed tackle loses the game. Yeah, and that kind of goes to me with don't turn the ball over. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty pretty simple to me, and that that's why. I, I, I'm, I keep staying on here, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook and everything, and everybody keeps talking about the offensive play calls and didn't take enough deep shot. I'm like, people, it's the NFL. You turn the ball over four times, you're probably going to lose. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to make it a, a, a simpleton thing, but that's that's the God's honest truth. The more that you try to just isolate individual moments as to why you lose, the, I think the further away you get to the actual reasons of why you just were outplayed. I think it's really lazy way to analyze just teams that are just utterly outperformed how they only lose by a certain amount of points because oh this one play didn't go their way the bears had a touchdown to Allen robinson that he just he just dropped, dropped. it went yep. right through his bread basket if yep. that happens then obviously then none of this other stuff matters which is why mm-hmm. it, on both sides of the ball for both mm-hmm. teams like they have these moments where if one thing just goes the other way then the, the game completely changes at the end it nets out to zero the Bengals mm-hmm. got outplayed on offense they were yeah. terrible well, for it. Yeah. For 50 minutes of the game. Like, that is the yeah. primary reason why they lost. Yeah. They lost because of the offense. But, but like I said, but well, I'll just put it this way. If you don't turn a, I keep saying, if you don't turn a ball over, though, do you still think the offense, do you think the offense actually take, will take the shots? Because it looks like they started taking the shots when they got the ball back. I, I don't know. That's kind of, I, I can't sit there. Huh? Yeah. I can't sit there. That's a good point. Yeah. I can't sit there and say that they won't because that's what they did in Minnesota. They started taking it again taking the shots later in the game and that's how they got tra- so that's where I, I think to me the biggest thing is turnovers and, and you know anyway you can debate we lost it doesn't really matter we freaking lost so <laughs> you can make a, a, a play here play there you know 
they, they, they lost either way. Uh, let's see here. What did I want to go to? Uh, oh, here it is. Chris, that's what I want to get to. Chris Hopkins, he said, uh, will they finally give Darius Phillips some time at corner? Let Irvin take some punt returns, which I kind of thought they might do last week, but nope. Eli Apple's in there, which I mean, I had nothing against Eli Apple. He just he gets burnt and, <laughs> you know, I like, to, I like to see Darius Phillips get a shot just see what he could do. I honestly think that Eli Apple might be better than Darius Phillips at this point. Like really? the good reps, the good reps from Eli Apple are pretty damn solid. It's just that the bad reps are on par with what the worst of Darius Phillips that we see. Mm. I just don't really know who Darius Phillips is as the cornerback right now. Right. Uh, and, and I just know like in the past couple of years, the inconsistency has been too much. And that's like Darius Phillips inconsistency is why we saw so much of, Le- of LaShawn Sims last year. And, and unfortunately no one wants to ever see that again, but like that, I think that was the problem. Like they couldn't trust Darius Phillips for like 60 snaps a game. So they tried to rotate these other quarterbacks in just to give him some breaks and just to say like, okay, we can't count on you for 60 plays, but we can maybe give you 30 and see what you can do. I think they have more confidence in Eli Apple to handle that workload compared to Phillips. But if Wayne's does comes back, then it is kind of a moot point, but yeah. I think they do like Phillips upside as a punt returner. We just haven't really seen him break off from one yet. Yeah, well, and that that's another thing too. We talk about talk about punt return, but the kickoff returning. I mean, what was Wilson doing? <laughs> you know, and, and, there, right. uh, and there's uh, my buddy sitting there watching watch the game. Why are you keep bringing it out? <laughs> like, like every time he bring it out, and then he he it's he, like he had something to prove because he muffed that first one. It was weird. I, yeah, I don't know. He's like determined to bring it out. Finally, like the the last one or I don't know second to last one. He finally. Well, actually, one time they kicked it all the way out of the end zone, so he didn't, he didn't have a chance to do it. But that was another thing that was issues with the Bengals offense is, is our, our kick return kept putting put them in bad field position. So it's – and that's the thing I keep going back. It's not – I keep saying the, the turnovers, yes, that's a big thing. But it's multiple things that, that went wrong for this for this Bengals, Bengals team. And I, But I think they're all fixable. Um, I, it does – I'll get more worried about it, more irritated if we're in week – five, six, seven, and we're still having these same problems, that's going to be more irritating to me. Right now, it's still the beginning of the season. And, and this is one thing I brought this up when Anthony Cazenza, your co-host, was on the show last week, and I got this from uh, Trent Dilfer, who got it from Steve Young on, on NFL Radio. Anyway, what Steve Young said, and I think it's a good point with the way that training camp is now, where they really don't do anything compared to what they used to do to get ready to play football. He kind of compared the first four games is almost an extended preseason. So you're going to see mistakes like this. You're going to see the stuff. And he said, if you're doing it by week five, week six, then you got a problem. So that's where I'm kind of at with, with the mistakes. That's fair. But I think it's also just a testament of coaching too. Like some, like not every team kind of stumbles out of the gate. Some teams happen to catch fire early. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we still don't know a lot about how good or bad this coaching staff is. We kind of right. leaning towards the, the bad side a little bit, but no, I, I think I think Marion Hobby's done a great job of improving the defensive line, and I think we are seeing improvements at least in some degrees along the offensive line. It's just how where are we with Zach Taylor? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not looking exactly great. <laughs> well, hopefully he'll turn it around this week here. I, I'm hoping here. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, this one I get Orange Arrow. He said, he said, ever called me an idiot when I said our D would be a top 12 this year. I, I'll be honest. I thought our D would be better. I did not think it would be as good as it is. But again, like you said, we've been going to get yeah, tweak two and we've been going against not so good offensive line. So let's try not to get overly excited. And that's where I'm kind of like, you know, the defense looks great. 
Hopefully it keeps going that way. The office head looked that good. Hopefully it gets better. You know, so it's somewhere, it's gonna be somewhere in the middle, I think, of, of where this football team is gonna be at. I don't think the offense is gonna look this bad the whole time. I don't think the defense is gonna look this great all the time. Hopefully, I'm wrong about the defense. That would be awesome. But that's like I said, it's week two. So everybody's got to just relax and uh just take your tea, chill. Um, let's see here. What um what are your thoughts on this week, the key, what are the keys, I guess, to the Bengals beating the Squares this week? What, what do you think they have to do? Is it, is it more of the same the game, same game plan as they had the last two weeks? Do they need to open it up more? What, what's your thoughts on that? How, how to beat the Squares? If they're going to continue using these early downs to run the ball for 50% of the time, they just have to run the ball better. Like it, it's it, there's a reason why it's smarter to pass the ball on first and second down because odds are you're going to get more yards uh, on average over the course of like a certain amount of plays. But if you're still having this constricted plan to avoid Burrow taking dropbacks and obvious passing situations, you got to you, you just got to generate more push against a solid defensive front in Pittsburgh, and that's up to the offensive line. I think with the rest of the offense, if you're going to continue running out these quick passes. You have to figure out a way to create more space for some of these receivers. Their best plays against the Bears that have been, they were pretty good passing concepts and pretty good route combinations, creating space against the Bears secondary and creating separation for at least Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase on, the, on a few of them. So you have to be more creative in, in figuring out how to generate space against a secondary that knows that you're not really going to be pushing the ball down the field because you're not taking these these traditional dropbacks for the quarterback is holding the ball for at least three seconds. So if they want to do similar things, they have to be more creative on how to do it and they just have to be more effective on how to do it because they, it's, it's hard for them to convince themselves to go too far away from what they're doing right now because they probably don't trust their offense line completely yet against, this, against the Steelers' pass rush and they don't want to put Burrow – in a lot of obvious passing situations where the Steelers can get creative on how to pressure him. All right, so that brings you to the, to the next point. A lot of people have uh, have said the, the Bengals need to roll the pocket out some, and, I, and Zach said they tried, uh, but Cleo Mack decided that that wasn't going to happen. Um, do you see the Bengals trying to do that a little more? And and is Or are they more, I won't say scared, but just conscious about rolling and making Joe move more? Because of his knee, or you think that's that's an option that's going to be broken into later on in the season, or you think something could happen happen Sunday? So a lot of people look at screen games and think like, man, I wish the Bengals were just better at this. They they just don't look like this at all compared to the thirty one other teams. I feel that way when well, talking about bootlegs and just play action in general. They mm-hmm. don't do a good job of selling it, and the defense just picks up on it immediately. Like they had two bootlegs that they targeted, like CJ Uzoma, um, on just like in the flat coming out of the bootleg and the bears picked it up immediately. And like, they both went for like a combined like five yards. And those are plays where you're, you're generating space for just that, this just that basically what, what is a check down for your tight end. And right. they're just not creating positive plays off of it. I think it's up to the personnel to just sell it better, sell the run better. It's not a matter of how many times you run the ball. It's how much you sell that play action because just inherently the play action itself, it, creates a pause with the front seven of, your, of the opposing defense. And you can utilize that pause to create space for whatever passing options that you want. They just need to do a better job of executing it. Exactly. All right. Uh, see, Brandon here says, uh, what do you guys think of Zach's play calling in the bears game? Was it good? Go for it, John. I'm with you on that. It wasn't great, but you know, it, it could have been better. <laughs> It was. I don't think it was as awful as everybody says it is, but it, it could have been better. It, you know, it was a lot of. Uh, 
I understand. Stuff. I understand like the the thought process and the strategy behind it, but if you don't, it it it, it requires execution to be basically flawless. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when you're going up against the Bears' defensive front and you still have questions on the offense line, you can't expect 100% perfect execution on every single one of those plays. And it's just a matter of okay, if they're going to be bad plays, they can't be tumultuous consecutive four consecutive turnovers. And that's right. exactly what happened. Yep, exactly. All right. Now, I know now if I get this right, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you a, a Northwestern grad? Is that where you went? I went to UC. Oh, you went to UC. Why do I think you went to Northwestern? Yeah. All right. Well, this is going to be even. I, I appreciate that. you with that. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> I, 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 this would be even a better question than you're a UC grad. And I know you don't ever get to talk about this. So you're, you're going to, you're, you're going to have an opinion about the Bearcats and the game against Indiana. We got a bye week this week. We got Notre Dame coming up. How excited are you? I'm I'm ecstatic, and I was going absolutely nuts uh, Saturday at the first half because it didn't look very good, John. <laughs> and then they turned it around. Where where are you, where are you at on on the bear guy? I'll give you so you can talk about something else other than the Bengals for once. <laughs> I'm more excited that Notre Dame also doesn't look very hot right now. They barely beat, I guess, Toledo two weeks ago, and they barely beat Florida State the week before that. That, that I mean, it's Marcus Freeman. Like he knows everything to know about the Bearcats mm-hmm. current offense right now. He was the Bearcats defense. <laughs> I, I, I don't think a lot of Bearcats fans like me when I slander Desmond Ritter, but I think there's a reason for why I say the things about Desmond Ritter that I say. They're just a the quarterback away from being really good. And sometimes Ritter just isn't that good. And right now they don't look like they're alive for any of the first halves that they play. So like, I, I, it, it scares I me a little that. bit. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree though. The first half, they, they have not gotten off to a good start at all. And one of the big things does had to improve upon was his, his, uh, his, his touch, his percentage, you know, his accuracy. And so far it's, it's it looks like it did last three years. So, which, I mean, I love Des. I think he's a really good quarterback, but I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. He needed to get better. Hopefully, he will. Now, one thing kills me about UC fans is some of them are like, "Oh, we hate Notre Dame. We want them to lose." Like, no, we want them to win until they get to UC and then lose. Now, Notre Dame has a big <laughs> game this Saturday. They're going against Washington, so hopefully, hopefully they'll actually show up and they'll be undefeated, so we can beat them. But if that happens, I think if, if they they already beat Indiana, they go to Notre Dame and they beat them, and Notre Dame's hopefully undefeated. Even if they're not undefeated, he's still going to Notre Dame and beat them. We'll beat everybody else. Are they going to let us in, John? Or are they going to keep us out? They won't let them in. Dude. That's what I keep saying. I'm like, it, I'm like, they're still not going to let us in. <laughs> That's what I keep saying. They'll, they'll, be, like, they'll be a great five seed, you know? They'll, yeah, they'll I know. The well, thing that kills me is they'll drop us after we win a game. And the people, people go, well, it's your schedule. I'm like, okay, damn it. Our schedule was the same when we were eight as it was when we were seven. It the schedule didn't change. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. That crap drives me nuts. Anyway, John, I appreciate you coming on the show as always. Tell everybody about Cincy Jungle, Orange and Black Insider Podcast, and just different articles and stuff you got uh, coming out or already out. Yeah, we're just analyzing the unfortunate loss of the Bears right now to Cincy Jungle, but we will soon turn our full attention to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you can find all that coverage at cincyjungle.com. And you can listen to me and Anthony Cazenza talk about the Bengals on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We go live every Wednesday night at 8.30 Eastern. You can find us on all of the platforms that you get your podcasts. So check us out there. Exactly. And you and John actually got to meet each other in person for the first time. Yeah. Anthony, he's he's 
I, I was expecting a little bit taller. I thought he was like six <laughs> three. He was only like six foot, but great, great guy. He was there with his family, and it was, yep. it was great to get that meeting for the first time. Yeah, I got, I got, I got to meet him too. I saw him, his brother, and his and his nephew. They they were great, great dudes. Do you do you have season tickets to the Bengals game, or are you just you just had tickets that that game? I I used to go with my dad because we had season tickets from from when my grandpa had them. But I haven't. Uh, I had not been to a game since 2016. So that was the first time I was in uh, Paul Brown for a game in like five okay. years. So it was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, Anthony said you you're around. I was like, well, I have to try to find him, but you know. T- but that, I don't know about you. If you try to tweet or, or text or call or anybody where you're at the stadium, yeah, it ain't no. going to work. I couldn't get nothing. Anyway, John, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on the show and uh, have a wonderful day. Who day? Thanks, Jeff. All right, guys. I hope you like that. I always enjoy having John on the show. It's full of a lot of cool information. Like I said, go check him out at Cincy Jungle and check out him and Anthony on the Orange and Black Insider Podcast. Uh, Anthony always does. He does the water cooler chat, which I think he did that today. And I know if Arrow, if you're still out there, I know uh, you're doing a fantasy football thing with John. I think, or, or excuse me, with Anthony. Uh, so I know he's uh, he he does something with fantasy football. Which actually, everybody, I have an announcement. The Iceman won his game in fantasy football this week. Boom, baby. One in a row. <laughs> All right, dude, I thought for sure I was going to lose. And I kept watching it, kept watching it. Like, ah, crap, I'm going to lose it. My, my Prince Ice is telling me I'm going to lose. Uh, Duchess Ice is telling me I'm going to lose. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I even, I even text Orange Arrow. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to lose. And also I look today, I'm like, I won. I'm like, holy crap, I won my fantasy game. Now, I might be the only one I win. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, but it's kind of cool to win. But, uh, like I said, uh, I'll put this out there again real quick for, for Arrow. I'm going to do this twice because I felt bad. He told me about this last week, and I can't forget to talk about it on the show. But he put together, uh, put the Kens in Canton T-shirt. It's really cool looking. All uh, The proceeds of that go to the Orange Arrow Fantasy Football uh, League. And uh, you guys can check that out. I put the link in the chat. Uh, where is that? Maybe I can pin it to the top. I put it in there a while ago. Anyway, it's back in the chat. Oh, here it is. Let me see if I can pin that. Can I pin that? Uh, nope. I put myself in timeout. <laughs> I'm not putting myself in timeout. Anyway, there it is. That is the link to the uh, T-shirt. And like I said, all the proceeds go to the Orange Arrow Fantasy League. So make sure you guys get the, get the shirt. Thursday night, we are going to be wearing lots of 13s and lots of 14s and for zim Hude, he's got the zuba pants going rocking we're gonna be wearing those uh thursday night i know um me and big was captain on twitter after the show kind of came up with a ugly christmas sweater game that we might try to do for the fans It'd be kind of fun to wear your a Bengals ugly christmas sweater either i don't know what date we're gonna do uh, either December 12th or 26th. One of those two, we will do it. And yes, thank you, Jennifer. I'm glad you brought that up. I got so much stuff going on, I forgot. Uh, yes, uh, don't forget, Jimmy Burrow will be on Bengal Jim and Friends talking football tonight, starting at 8 o'clock. Uh, they also have, I was talking to Jimmy earlier today, they have a new thing they're doing with uh, Bengal bids. Um, and it's going to be, I told him I wouldn't tell any, say any more about it than what he told me, so uh, go check out this show. Check out what they got going on with Bengal, 
Bengal bids. You guys can get some really cool uh, game used stuff. It's awesome. It all goes to charity. So make sure you check it out. Like I said, check out Jimmy and the boys at 8 o'clock tonight. Steve, what's up, buddy? Other than that, I think I'm going to roll on out of here. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. You got Hootay Nation, one of the best Bengals groups around. They'll be one of the biggest. They're at 25,000, I think it is now. So that is awesome. You got Hootay Legion, another really good Bengals group. Bearcat Ruckus, which is mine. So if you guys want to go join the Ruckus, that's I named that because that's what they call it, a student section. It's Bearcat Ruckus, go check that out. The Ohio State Bucknuts, Cincinnati Reds, riding third, heading for home. The Ice Bar, and then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle, excuse me, is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight and putting it up on the podcast so you missed any of my conversation with John the Brain Sheeran. Go check it out. I'm on BeamPod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, it's on there. Make sure you like, rate, and review. Download it. Give me a five-star review. Put a comment on there so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. YouTubers, I'm at 1,371 subscribers. That is awesome. We are rolling to 2,000. Eh, it's more like a slow crawl, but it's still, we're getting there. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors about sports with strawberry ice. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, as my boy, if he, one of these days, Jeremy's going to come back on the show. And I'm not going to tell anybody. And he's just going to pop up. And I'm going to be like, hey, who are you? I don't remember you. <laughs> but as my boy, Jeremy, a dime bag, these nuts. He loves that name. <laughs> always says, remember one thing. And one thing only, and that is you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati, so act like it. Who day? And that's just sports, baby. See ya!
Cincinnati, we gon' rise and up. In the jungle, we unite and up. Drippin' orange and black and white. Yeah, we got him, yeah, we fought him Like that black and orange, I'll follow